Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Kyle Calgren. And we are talking about a masterpiece. A masterpiece called I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. Happy Pride Month. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the- <laughs> We're recording this on June 6th. This is our Pride episode. Oh, God. This is the only queer film we'll be covering this month, I'm pretty sure. And I feel like it's a stretch to call it a queer film. Why are we letting the gay community down? Uh, wh- okay, here's the thing. <laughs> this is bad romance, see? Like, if yes. we... If we did a good movie, would that really make y'all happy on on Bad Romance? True. I mean, it's not like we're doing Carol. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to make jokes about Carol for an hour. Like, there are so many good queer films to see that are actually queer. You know, you got your Carol. You got your The Watermelon Woman, which we both made a video on together. My Own Private Idaho. Yeah, we got your Greg Araki's entire thing. You got Mysterious Skin, which is like, definitely don't watch that with friends. That's one that you watch alone to cry. But you got Nowhere. You got The Living End, which is like a really like classic gay movie. Don't forget The Doom Generation. Well, that's like a bisexual movie. Well, let's not, you know, enforce bisexual eraser. Oh, right. Like this movie does? Like um, this movie does. Um... And uh, what we got? There's there's more there's more great stuff to get there. Uh, you know you know which one that I never think about anymore, but that I'm considering watch watching what? for the first time. Or even cowgirls get the blues. I know that it's supposed to be bad. <laughs> oh, it's it's garbage. But I'm very fascinated. It's, in she that. has gigantic like strap on thumbs. Yes, for, for most of the movie. Yes. Um, you know, we got High Art, which is a great one if you want to see, you know, Queer Ally Sheedy. There's Bound, which, you know, I Bound love. Bound is great. If you've ever met me, you know that I mentioned Bound. I mentioned Bound at my last birthday party. I will mention Bound at this year's birthday party. Every year I'm going to make sure that people watch Bound. That's great. The Handmaiden is great. Um, the original adaptation of that story of The Handmaiden, which is um, called uh, Fingersmith, I think. I heard Great that, title. I heard that that's pretty good. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because queer cinema is kind of a thing that I really like, and uh, that's why I don't really associate. Uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry with this. This is a movie that I saw in the theater with my brother back in 2007 when it came out because we lived in Georgia, and you know, movies come out. You go to the movies. Like, what else is... And also, movies were $7 back then. Yep. Um... And this movie did get a lot of, you know, traction because it was made by Happy Madison Productions. It was, it was. You know what that means. Um, And I've said this before on the podcast, but I feel like it bears repeating before anyone gets mad. I am a pansexual woman. (laughs) I'm a bisexual man. Yes. And so we're not just like, we are in a straight passing relationship. And yes, I know it's disgusting and that we should be burned. Um, but At we're the stake. Definitely. definitely. Um, but, you know, we are queer people and queer cinema means a lot to me. And it's really unfortunate that we're covering this. And I was considering doing Imagine Me and You, which we will still cover eventually, just not today. 
And I'm sure that Imagine Me and You is not as bad as this. I mean, I've never seen it all the way through, but I'm, you know, I mean, at least it has lesbians in it. So, I mean, it's got to be better because um, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry as kind of like a mess of masculinity. It's, it's offensive. It's an, it is the most offensive portrayal of masculinity I've ever seen. Mm. <laughs> well, one of them. It's up there. It's up there. This this vehicle for Adam Sandler and... Um, Lean into the mic, honey. This vehicle for Adam Sandler and um, Paul Blart Mall Cop. Kevin James. Kevin James. Um, and so a little bit of backstory, because this is now pretty notorious that... This script was originally written by Alexander Payne and his writing partner, what is his name? Jim Taylor. And it was it was actually a it was actually like a redone. It was originally written by a guy named Barry Fanaro, and then Payne and Taylor handed in a new draft of it back in 2005. And it's their draft that made Adam Sandler choose this project. But then Adam Sandler decided that he was going to do a script polish. Oh, he polished it. And he and he added some other writers too who added their <laughs> own jokes and things. Yeah, and, it is uh, very very Sandlery. I'm uh, I'm guessing it was Sandler who added the word homopalooza to the script. Probably. Um so apparently in, in Taylor and Payne's version, it's about a widower and devoted dad, Larry, uh, who finds love with the, a politically aware lawyer defending their case. Um, so it looks like originally this Larry character was supposed to be the one with the love story, not at the character <laughs> with Chuck, who's later played by Adam Sandler. Um, we can just call them Adam Sandler and Kevin James. Yes, can't we? Um, it's nicely. Handled. I, I seriously do not give a shit which one is Chuck and which one is Larry. Okay, in the original one, in the original script, it's, it's nicely handled. Quite, I'm reading from a vulture piece here, um, and quite emotionally potent to watch the sad man find happiness, even though he's terrified of what it might do to his case. In the final version, it's Sandler's character, womanizer Chuck, who falls for the lawyer. Um, so yeah. that seems to be uh, a, a major change here. Uh, Can we talk about how Womanizer Chuck is set up in the final version? Sure. I'm, his... just, I'm giving backstory right now. Okay. I, okay. You know, I don't want to have this article open the entire time. Okay, okay. Um, All right, jumping the gun. Yeah, um, the son, the... the yeah, it's described here as sexual the son with the sexuality that seems to be in flux. The son has like a very like emotional plot line here where he's like where he's like not treated well at school and then rebels against um Chuck and Larry and, and so I guess he's like more angsty, you know, he's given more I mean, even with the Oh, so he's not a punchline. Even with like the angst taken away, this character, this son character, a punchline or not, is still like the only thing worth watching in this movie. Oh yeah, he's so, a great yeah. tap dancer. You see, the joke is that he's a kid who likes musical theater. Um, and so <laughs> uh <laughs> 
there's there's other stuff here and apparently in the in the real ending of the script the original script um chuck and larry kiss on the courthouse steps and it's not just a timid exchange but a long passionate melting together of soulmates tongues oh and my everything God. <coughs> so they didn't do that because that would be gay and the writer here points out that the pain and taylor version is like not perfect but it's but it, it's more emotional and, yeah, and you know mean, like coming from i think a, a a place of empathy even though it's still like i mean i don't know i mean the, everyone's sexualities but the position <laughs> is still kind of ridiculous because like the setup for the movie. I mean, the, the, set, setup, the is, setup is still the same. Yeah, the setup is that a widower is, uh, he might lose his pension uh, and he loses it because I guess he's so much in grief that he keeps on missing his mail where he was supposed to change who the beneficiary was and like all this like financial whatever, whatever, whatever. So in order to get his pension money, he decides to marry his best friend because I guess he doesn't... There's just no woman that could do it for him. Like, it just seems like... I mean, yeah. in this movie, it just kind of seems like it's like, oh, he's fat, so he couldn't find a woman, which is ridiculous because I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before because oh I don't know if we've ever covered anything involving Kevin James before, but he's not that big, and this whole idea that he's, like, gigantic has never made any sense. It's almost like he's, like, playing to who John Candy was, who Chris Farley was, who Horatio Sands was. Horatio Sands is still alive. He just does not look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, all that other stuff. But it's like Kevin James never had the body or the energy for what we're supposed to think of him as. Yeah. Also, the movie essentially is this, like, giant, like, uh, gymnastic leap into getting a situation where two guys are being policed uh, for not being gay enough. Yeah, and it's very weird, because as Kyle mentioned earlier, this is a movie that's full of bisexual erasure. The bisexual erasure, I would say, is the worst thing about the movie, because, I mean, you kind of expect a lot of the bro shit... But at least the broy, you could still do a broy story. There's a lot of broy shit by adding the bisexuality because I mean I think also just even the concept of introducing bisexuality to bros and then having them have to grapple with it that's already automatically a more interesting story. Yeah, but they didn't do it because you know here you have these two macho New York Brooklyn guys, you know, with a capital G. Um, just go through every gay stereotype in the book and say, oh, this is how we got to act now. We can't be attracted to chicks no more. And it's just like, it, it's it's very bizarre because uh, they, they get married for the pension thing and then everybody, Jessica Biel, Steve Buscemi, everybody's just like, I don't know, don't seem very gay. Like, you got to prove your gayness. And it's like, Oh, but she was married to a woman. Yeah, that's perfectly normal. It's perfectly normal to marry a woman and then marry a man. It's perfectly normal to marry someone that's not a woman or a man, like someone non-binary or something. It's perfectly normal to marry and fall in love with different people. And it makes the entire premise of this movie 
like not make sense Dissolve. because everyone's pretending like they don't know what bisexuality is. And near the end, Dan Aykroyd says the word bisexual, which means he even but says... But he says it in the context of like, it doesn't matter if you're heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual. He actually does say the word. He says trisexual too. Pansexual, then he goes on trisexual, quadrisexual, omnisexual. Right. Like he says it as a joke. He says it as a joke, but he's acknowledging that it exists. Yes. So I but. mean that that but that still throws the entire reality of the film into question. <laughs> Just by him saying that. The Just by him knowing what those words mean. Mm-hmm. Okay, honey, like here's the thing, snobby McSnob pants. Why whoa. Snobby McSnob pants. I know that this is not a good movie, but you have to admit that the way that people act in this movie, while shitty, isn't that far fetched, honestly. Um, what are you talking about? I'm talking because, like, I'm thinking about you know the cartoonish rescue of the um the super fat guy, and just like I mean, I, I I'm talking. I mean, the character of Adam Sandler is introduced having a like a five way with Tila Tequila, and that's not how he's introduced. He's introduced <laughs> because he. He fucked the wrong sister. Oh, right, right, you're right. <laughs> He's introduced having, you know, you know, slept with the wrong twin sister, and then him insisting that the two of them make out to resolve their differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, none of thank that you makes... For, uh, yeah, thank you for reminding me of that scene. I, yeah. I mean, none of... Okay, so I'm not saying that that makes sense. A lot of the antics about Adam Sandler being a ladies' man and women really liking him, it's very weird. I mean, Adam Sandler... Here's what I think it is. Adam Sandler really, really uses films to live lives that he could not in real life. And I think that that's really the entire thing. Like, people are just like, oh... Why is he, like, going to Africa with Drew Barrymore or, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, why is he always doing these? Why is he on vacation in his films? Why is he constantly doing this wild shit? Why is he in this love mm -hmm. triangle with these two beautiful? It's because he's a white guy and he thinks that he deserves that kind of thing or he's into it. He has a wife in real life. He has a family in real life. He knows that he can't do it. He basically uses, he basically uses his films in the same way that, um... Uh, uh, I feel so bad for not knowing this because I am a James Bond nerd. Um, the guy, <laughs> the guy who wrote James Bond, Ian Fleming. Yes, he basically uses his films the way that Ian Fleming uses his writing. I mean, I except Ian Fleming actually was a secret agent for the British government. Right, but that's not what. Come on now. I know, I know what you mean. Like, I mean, I'm sure, but I'm also sure that Adam Sandler got a lot of sex in the '90s. He didn't get married until 2003. That was like at least like 10 years of like peak sexual whatever like whatever you think of him he was still on saturday night live and he was a comedian and he was a funny comedian like <laughs> so i'm just saying okay that like ian fleming wrote james bond as a womanizer and as like a guy who didn't need anyone as a guy who married women that were smarter than him, had more money than him and had control in the relationship. Like this like James Bond was his way of flying out of that and imagining himself in a different way. And I feel the same way about Adam Sandler. I think that that's why Adam Sandler does all this shit. It doesn't make it interesting. 
But I think that that's kind of where he comes from. Yes, but can we forgive him for giving Tila Tequila a job? I mean, we didn't know what kind of person she was back then. <laughs> we knew exactly what kind of person she no, was back then. No, we didn't. Like, like, she was just a part... She was, like, annoying, but we didn't know that she was, like, a conservative back then. <laughs> okay, point. Like, she was just, like, a, a hot person that had a lot of MySpace friends. I was friends with Teal Tequila on MySpace. Like, it was a time. Um, like, I, I also did not know that Adam Sandler was a Republican when I saw this movie. But... <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little sick. But you can kind of tell that he's a Republican by watching this because his way of dealing with like this whole the idea of queerness is that he um it's like, yeah, that's fucking weird, but I love you anyway, bro. Like it's it's very like an entourage yeah. way of looking at it where it's just like, we're gonna bust your balls, but like, you know, let's all we're all still gonna have wings and watch the game, right? Like the mm-hmm. things that he gets angry about, like when he really starts dealing with homophobia, which is Adam Sandler dealing with homophobia. Um, <laughs> like when the guys don't want to play basketball with him. Like that's the kind of stuff that Adam Sandler would do. I believe that Adam Sandler has gay friends and that he would never not play basketball with that friend. Like he would never like not want that friend to be around their kid to like, you know, coach Little League. Like I feel like those are the kinds of things that Adam Sandler would be like, nah, no, I'm not okay with that. But like I'm sure that Adam Sandler is also the kind of person who like doesn't really care much about like legislation that hurts queer people but i'm sure Mm -hmm. the queer people that he knows that he is friends with he treats them well and that's a very like republican point of view it's like i don't really like affirmative action but i love my friend chris rock (laughs) (laughs) yeah well there we go (laughs) but um let's talk about kevin james a bit i feel like let's Kevin James, I feel, has done a, has been done a real disservice by himself and his friends. And here's why I think so. Um, there was a window for Kevin James to be considered a serious actor in good movies. And I honestly think he would have been better served that way. Because slapstick hmm. Kevin James is not that funny. No. And he just has a very, like, normal guy energy. Like, when you watch The King of Queens, it's just, like, normal guy energy. Actually, you think The King of Queens is some of his best work. And that's, like, a show that's a punchline and everybody, like, hates it or doesn't have respect for it or whatever. And there's always that Your epi- takes are especially hot right now. And as I know that there's also that episode where, like, that well, not that episode, that scene where, like, Patton Oswalt stands completely still. <laughs> I know that that's like a whole joke thing about like, yeah, this is how much of a nothing show this was. And he stood completely still. But you know what? People were funny on that show. Jerry Stiller was funny on that show. I mean, I wouldn't like watch it on purpose. But if it's on, like, I'm not going to die. Like, I'd be more likely to watch The King of Queens than like Friends. Because at least The King of Queens had like real people on it that I would actually meet in real life and like feel like they would be fun to be around. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't. All right. I don't hate Kevin James. I just think that I think that Chris Farley died and that that Chris Farley's friends decided that they were going to pick a new Chris Farley. But there is only one Chris Farley. And I think that Kevin James is the best example of that. 
just he's a not Chris Farley. He's not Chris Farley. He's stuck with. But he's stuck in roles that constantly, like, are supposed to be, like, everything that he does seems to be meant for Chris Farley. And it would have just been funnier. This movie would be funnier with Chris Farley. Probably. Yeah, I think it would. I think that Chris Farley was a good actor. Yeah, okay. I agree with you. Yeah. The premise is still crap. The premise is bad, but I think that there's a way that the premise could have worked. Like, what if they had actually fallen in love, which in the original script, it seems like they did. Yeah. I think that that would have been really interesting. And I also think that, like, as much as I think that this movie is really, like, not well thought out, if they did fall in love, that would be interesting to watch. I would watch that. Like, with the same actors, I, mean, I would watch that. They were close that. to falling in love. They in, were, in they were very scene. close to each other. And I felt like, you know, when they slept in the same bed, like, I thought, you know, I thought that it wouldn't be the worst thing ever to watch them fuck. Like, I, like I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, like, seek it out. But I wouldn't, like, die. I mean, they're just n- two normal-looking guys, you know, not particularly handsome. But, you know, I mean... It's fine. It would have been fine. I just feel like the movie was so afraid of the idea that they did have chemistry. And it sucks because they were cast clearly because they're friends. And as friends, they do have chemistry. And this movie really suffers from them being afraid of that. Because Jessica Biel sucks in this movie. Yes. (laughs) She just sucks in it. Like, it's just her entire... She doesn't seem like a real person. Like... While Adam Sandler is a cartoon womanizer, at least I understand. Like, I've known guys who will just, like, fuck anybody once. Like, actually, I know a lot of guys like that. Um, (laughs) But Jessica Biel, like, is a homophobic character in the sense that she hangs out with Adam Sandler as a gay man and just kind of, like, treats him like a fucking Care Bear that she hangs out with. Mm -hmm. Like, a fucking, like a pal like a little like a little my little pony like the thing that she did like the friendship bracelets like he's a grown man what the fuck are you doing and the whole like can you touch my boobs like that's not okay they're real la-di-da yeah she is written so terribly and she has played even worse she's played like she's like a mean girl's character that showed up in the wrong movie and i don't Hmm. understand like she'd be much yeah she like that she's like an unbreakable kimmy schmidt character like she doesn't belong here it's weird that she's there and i feel like her performance is supposed to be earnest like you can tell that jessica biel is trying to play a real person but she's not given anything real to hold on to except her own breasts and she's got nick in that scene and she's got nick swartzen as her brother who like we'll probably never cover him on the podcast because the one time that he was in a romantic film was Bucky Larson born to be a star where his love interest is played by Christina Ricci. Um, (laughs) I don't think that Christina Ricci deserves an entire episode on that movie. I feel like Christina Ricci, you know, the check cleared. I'm sure, you know, I hope that she's fine. Like even, I don't even like rich people on yachts, but I hope Christina Ricci specifically is on a yacht. Like I want to know that she's okay, (laughs) but it's just, I don't. Nick Swardson is somebody that y'all really tried to make happen in the early 
in the early 2010s and it did not happen and you all deserve what you got all the wasted time the comedy central money the bucky larson shit like y'all deserved it because he was never that good i'm shocked <laughs> that you haven't mentioned the worst character in this movie yet who's the worst character in this? are you talking about rob schneider absolutely oh my god well i mean you can you I can mean, harp on that if you want I mean, I've heard he's Filipino, but that doesn't make his yellow face any less awful. No, I mean, no, it, it, it doesn't. And I mean, he 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 runs the gamut, you know, ye- yellow face, brown face, like yep. any race that he could possibly have been like. And that's the other thing where it's like comedy bros. Like this is a very comedy bro crew. Rob Schneider will show up in any movie mm-hmm. that Adam Sandler makes, as will David Spade. But David Spade, at least, is never like racist, even though he apparently the character the character that he plays in this movie is supposed to be trans, and the trans representation there is so oh weird. Like it's just it's just weird. It's so bad. Like guys. it's like it's <laughs> it's just such a bizarre way to go about that. I don't get it. But anyway, that's more a product of 2007. Rob Schneider is a product of being the only non-black person of color in his comedy group. And so basically, I guess like, and maybe this was a thing like when he did sketches, I'm sure he did some sketch or some improv or something where it's like, <clears throat> if the character wasn't black and wasn't white, it was played by Rob Schneider. I feel like this is really like a holdover from like his early comedy career. And like, it's fine when there's like six of you in a sketch group and you know you're the brown one and you just gotta play this character because no one else can but like Mm -hmm. movies are gigantic million dollar things like you don't actually need to be here (laughs) at all I mean, but I don't think anyone could play this specific. I mean, I feel like these characters are written specifically for him. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this character wasn't in the script. What if it was just like a just like a regular guy that does their wedding? Just and it just, just became him. And yeah. it just became fucking Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that he likes that character. <laughs> Like, that's the thing. Like, the thing about like old comedy bros, and I'm always telling Kyle this because I. <clears throat> because I do stand up and so does Bronwyn is that like so many of these guys don't really care about what's tasteful all they care about is what's funny and they believe that tasteful and funny are two different things and never they shall meet there are massive air quotes around the word funny in that sentence (laughs) I'm just I'm just telling you the way that it is I know I, I know and it's sad yes I know we barely talked about like the specific plot of this movie, but there yeah, really... how would you do that? But the thing about it is, is that there really is no plot to speak of. Like it's just they have this whole like <laughs> they thing. get married and then they're policed for not being gay enough. That's a lot of the movie is them trying to prove that they're gay, and once again, like that it doesn't. If like for example, there's a part where like sixteen women come forward and say that they've had sex with Adam Sandler. That's perfectly okay because you can have sex with men and women. Like the worst that it could be is like, oh, he's cheating on his he's cheating on his husband. Which that's, he didn't do. That's he didn't do because it was before they got married. <laughs> so it's just like 
I mean, he does fuck the housekeeper, and I think he fucks. Oh, some right, he does. Like after they're married, like, in the bed. In the. <laughs> um. The, that's the thing. Like there are times when he like actually um like where he actually commits adultery like apparently like during like right after the wedding he like had sex with some strippers and like that's something to talk about but that's to talk about in the form of adultery them being women means nothing like it means nothing and i think it just comes from this kind of like i think it just comes from like general male anxiety i think that there's a lot of for a movie that's full of bisexual erasure there's also a lot of bisexual panic there's this idea mm-hmm. There, there's something like, oh no, he's fucking everybody. That's so dangerous. And it's like, no, it's not. Like the really only dangerous thing is like making sure that he's like tested all the time and that everybody's wrapped up. That's the only yeah. danger. But like, fucking that never different, even comes up. Fucking different. Yeah, exactly. It never comes up. But like, fucking different genders of people is perfectly normal. <laughs> yeah. In this movie, just doesn't it's very conservative in the way that it sees sexuality even even in the adultery it's kind of conservative because it's just this idea that like men fuck around if they're straight but if they're gay fucking around is not as acceptable or has a different connotation i mean there's something like very lovable scamp about like adam sandler was just like yeah he's a family guy character he is quagmire he is quagmire yeah and so there's something fun about that but there's almost like uh, there there seems to be a fear to touch the idea of gay promiscuity which you know i thank god for small favors because i don't know how this movie (sighs) would cover that but it almost pretends like it doesn't exist yep What's up, honey? You seem very pensive. It's this movie. I have nothing. I'm out of things to say. And about then this we movie. have this. How? <laughs> the first thing that you said, like you said, like 20 minutes in when we were watching the movie, I'm gonna have things to say about this. I've already movie. said. Them. You've already said all of them. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Just, I just even, revisiting this movie is exhausting. We just watched it yesterday. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I like the kid. The, oh yeah, no. I like the joke about Scotty Pippen. The kid is so great. Like the kid is. Um, so Kevin James has a son that's like it. You know, it's hinted very much that he's gay. And there's this whole thing about like how Kevin James wants the son to be into sports and to. But be he's into not because he wants to audition for the musical Pippin, and he wants Adam Sandler goes, eh, "It can't be that bad." I mean, it's about Scotty Pippen, right? Yeah. <laughs> This is my Adam Sandler impression. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's like Pippin, and then he doesn't get Pippin, so it's like... He goes for Andy, get your, get your gun. Yes. Um. <laughs> and he does anything you can do, I can do better with Kevin James, and it's what, cute. I, it's very cute. It's off-key, but it's cute. It is, but like all he needs is like a little bit of like... He just needs like a, a, somebody to... like. Twirl a but one of those things that they baton what pointer you know I mean he has he he seems like he can sing it just seems like there was no one on set you mean a conductor yes okay <laughs> baton twirler I was trying to figure out what you were talking about <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> um but like, yeah I feel like the kid could sing it's just that he wasn't directed to sing yes um and. And there's a daughter who, like, really does nothing except, like, she's just very, uh, 
accepting of like both of the kids are they're just like oh this like honestly there should have been more about the kids like fine there's a part at the end where the kids get pulled in to like to prove that the marriage is because there's a whole like trial thing that steve buscemi does because steve buscemi's in this movie as well by the way he talks about how the trash isn't gay enough and how (laughs) they're not really gay he is the gay police he is the gay police and you can tell that he's a straight man too that doesn't really know much about being gay but he's still like policing their sexuality which is weird like he seems very confused by gay people Mm -hmm. but then why are you but then how would you know what one looked like it's very weird, but he pulls the kids in because he thinks the kids are just going to be like, ew! And then the kids are just like both incredibly mature about the relationship. Yeah, like the little girl gets up and just lists um, animals that mate with the same sex. Yeah. The kids are great. We yeah, really the kids li- are great. We really like the kids. It's the adults that are... Um, yeah, there are a lot of shit adults. I mean, there is one great adult, though. Oh, you're, you're talking about Ving Rhames? Yes! Yes! I love gay Ving Rhames. Yeah, gay Ving Rhames is so kind of amazing. good. And also, this is not the first time that um, Ving Rhames has played a queer character. Really? Yeah, um, there is a movie that was like a kind of made-for-TV movie with like him and um, Alfre Woodard where she's got like kids and he's like this he's like this drag queen that like helps her t- helps Alfred Woodard take care of her kids and like just <laughs> becomes like another like parent it's called Holiday Heart it's it's very good i haven't seen it in a while so at the time i only knew what drag queens were so i'm not actually sure if this character is trans or a drag queen i'm going to have to like double check but i just remember watching it like when i was very young it was on BET actually before BET got incredibly straight and then just stayed that way when BET was still kind of open. Um, and like, it was just one of those things like at a young age, just to see Ving Rhames like in that wig and to just like be really like kind and soft and not really treated like a freak. Like it's a, it's, it's a nice little, it's a nice little holiday movie. And I, and I really enjoy it. And Ving Rhames is just one of those performers that's never been really scared of, like not being perceived as masculine, which I think is why his character is the best character because you can tell that he's not really trying to prove anything. Like he's just having a good time. Yeah. And, um, what's up? Honey? There's just, there's a sweetness about him too. Yeah. He's just, he just, he just is very honest and open about like he, like because of Chuck and Larry, um, he comes out of the closet himself and he's just so happy about it and he just brings this joy to all of his scenes. Yeah. And he stands he, up for them. He's just like having a great time. Like he's discovering himself. Like he's middle-aged and he's just like, wow, you know, it's time yeah. for me to be me. And he just really... And also, you know, the joke The joke is because he's so big that mm-hmm. nobody really wants to fuck with him. <laughs> Which... Yeah. Uh yeah, um let's see. Okay. Okay, it says that he is a gay drag queen. Okay, so I was right about okay. that. No, I just looked it up because I wanted to be sure. And yeah, no, d- directed by the legendary Robert Townsend, you know, very important black director. Yep. Um produced by Robert De Niro. <laughs> Wow, we should what we should cover that movie. <laughs> yeah, podcast. it's like a good little it's a good little movie. Like I'll like I'll show you the poster. It's very cute. Oh, <laughs> that's 
That's yeah. a, kind of adorable. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Ving Rhames is great. Like, I don't know if he's great enough to make you actually want to watch this, but he's definitely like every scene that he's in, he steals. He's really the best. Um, Steve Buscemi is the worst. Dan Aykroyd is also really terrible in this, in this movie. I mean, Steve Buscemi is a great guy in real life. Oh yeah, no, he seems great. I think he lives in Brooklyn. I'm pretty sure. And he actually is a volunteer firefighter. Yeah, no, he's no yeah. Steve Buscemi, the person. And Steve Buscemi yeah. has also played a gay character in a in a, the classic queer film Parting Glances, which I have not seen, mm-hmm. but um, it's pretty good. You know, no, Steve Buscemi's a great. He's terrible in this movie, but he's given a really terrible character to play. And Dan Aykroyd is also terrible in this movie. And I totally 100% believe that he wrote all his own lines. Like, I don't believe that Dan Aykroyd oh, got yeah. a character. I think that he just showed up and he was just like, this is what I'm going to do. Yep. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, who believes that aliens will no longer visit us because of 9-11. <laughs> he said that on Larry King once. I, I, I could show you the clip if I could. <laughs> I, I thought that pre-2000s Dan Aykroyd was really hot. And, um... <laughs> Oh, boy. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you you watch 70s SNL and like if you don't, (laughs) if you don't like Chevy Chase, which is very easy not to like him, he sucks. Um, Yes. (laughs) Like Dan Aykroyd's great on there. And when Bill Murray shows up, he's great on there. I mean, you know, and Bill Murray is a whole other. One day we're going to talk about Bill Murray and his very complicated history, because I'm sure he's done a romance here or there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Groundhog Day counts as a romance, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's not bad, so we can't cover it. But I'm going to find yeah. something bad that he's done so that we can cover it. Oh, my God. What if I covered Lost in Translation and made everybody angry? <laughs> I don't think that Lost in Translation is a bad movie, but I do think that there are criticisms to be made. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> And yes, I, let's keep talking about movies that aren't this one. I mean, I, I, this is one of those movies. I feel like every once in a while we choose a movie and people on Twitter react like very angrily, like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. I kind of want to talk about the way that we react to movies like that, because I'm not to say that this is a good movie, but it's impact i feel is pretty benign so the anger i'm just not sure where it comes from yeah like it came out a year before the first u.s state legalized gay marriage yeah i believe yeah it's 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 very much a foot like it did make like eight 186 million dollars or whatever but that's just because queer film it kind of still isn't mainstream, but it especially wasn't in 2007. Like, we were coming off Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. Which makes an appearance in this movie. A Brokeback Mountain, which is a the movie... The DVD case makes an de- mm. appearance in the movie. Which is a very, you know, like, sweetheartfelt movie. Kona just recently watched it for the first time. But the other yeah. thing about Brokeback Mountain is that because the, everyone who is in it is straight, as far as we know... I don't know. Its impact is a little... I feel like it kind of... Muddled. Yeah, it's a little muddled. And I also feel like I remember in interviews, like Heath Ledger, um, you know, rest in peace, great actor. Heath Ledger seemed very uncomfortable with being asked about the queerness of it. And I feel like that um, really messed with the press tour because it was just like... You know, it's it's a movie that everyone respects now, and I think that a lot of people respected it then, but I think 
because everyone involved is straight and because no one, I mean, straight actors are still really bad at talking about their queer roles, but there was just something, there was a conversation that it should have started that I'm not sure if it did, but I was also like very young at the time, so I might have missed it. And it was kind of like before Twitter really popped off, so it was in that time when everybody was kind of talking to each other in person, so I'm sure a lot of good conversations happened, but they, I don't feel like they stuck in a way that they should have. I don't think, like, compare the reaction to Brokeback Mountain to something like Carol, which I think that actually led to a lot of conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm just not sure. I mean, I really can't say because it was 2005, and I wasn't even in high school at the time, so you can disregard everything that I said. I was a baby. I'm just saying that in 2007, when I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry came out, that was a movie that, for better or worse, people were really talking about and that people got to see it. I mean, part of it's just that it wasn't an art house film, which means that it was able to be shown on so many screens. And I do wonder what would have happened if Brokeback Mountain had such a giant release, but unfortunately with a lot of queer films, they just, they just don't like, you know, I, mean, I was in college when uh, Brokeback Mountain came out and I mostly remember it for starting, for starting an early meme for just being that one gay movie. I don't know if we, I don't know if it actually like started any conversations, any serious ones. Yeah, other I'm than hey, we're talking about gay things in movies now. Yeah, you know, like Heath Ledger was one of our greatest actors, I do believe that, but I also think that like if you want to compare him to somebody that I'm sure he gets compared to a lot anyway, River Phoenix, I feel like if you asked River Phoenix about playing a queer character, he probably had more to say. Like, I don't have it in front of me, but I feel like he was a person that was open to talking about these things. Whereas, like, I also think Definitely. that if you if you ask Keanu Reeves, I'm sure that he was, you know, still alive and around with us. And I feel like Keanu Reeves would also, you know, talk about it. I don't... I think that there was something... Um, and no shade to Jake Gyllenhaal, but I feel like... Everyone was young, and no one really knew anything smart to say about it. True. Um, True. And I really don't think it was until probably Milk, because I remember the Oscars after Milk, um, because, you know, uh, that was actually, you know, written, directed by a queer person, written by a queer person, and the queer person um, in question, whose name... Um, Gus Van Sant? No, the person who wrote it. Oh, you're talking, okay, yeah. Yeah, um, let me, let me just find their name, because I remember their, their acceptance speech, because I'm pretty sure they won Best Screenplay, yes, they did, they wrote Best Original Screenplay, um, Dustin Lance Black, and I remember Dustin, like, very specifically, I remember him on stage at the Oscars, accepting his award for Best Original Screenplay, and just, like, crying, and just, like, so emotional, like, as a gay man, you know, winning for writing about such an important gay figure. And I honestly think that, like, it sucks because Sean Penn's connected to it, but Milk mm -hmm. probably did more for the queer cinema conversation than Brokeback Mountain did, which is interesting because I honestly feel that Brokeback Mountain is a better movie than Milk. But that, you know, that's neither here nor there. People respond to biopics. Um, yep. Emotionally, whether they're good or not, and most of them are not good. <laughs> 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 wrong kid died wrong uh, kid died 
But yeah, um, Milk came out the year after um, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. And I think that uh, that really pushed the conversation forward and kind of allowed us to forget about it. So I'm not saying that Chuck and Larry... Okay, you think about... I, I feel like there's this disconnect between regular... What, what people consider to be regular people and the cinema public. And I mean, in a sense, it kind of is, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of cinema just doesn't go everywhere. So a lot of people can't find these movies. True. But I don't think that going to see I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry would be detrimental to you. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it would have a good effect either, but it's generally just very benign. Like Kyle used this term near the end where it was just like fake woke. And that's kind of what it is. It's kind of fake woke, but mm -hmm. it's, but it's like, it's, it's like from the perspective of conservative straight guys trying to be woke. And in that sense, like, I don't, I don't think it's totally without merit. I mean, I do think that the original script from Alexander Payne might have been better, but also Alexander Payne is not gay either. So, I mean, it, there's no way that it would have been, like, smarter about the material. We don't know that. And, like, as much as I like Alexander Payne, I really love Citizen Ruth. Um, I think that that's one of his best films. Citizen Ruth also just, like, doesn't understand a lot about gender either and it's just like he's a man and you know and, and i could citizen ruth is also a big long like gay joke with at with lesbians at the uh butt of it. <laughs> like half of it you know yeah i mean there's that too i mean there's like i feel like when there are guys that do these stories you know there's always going to be an issue like i've been watching a lot of chappelle show recently because i had to write a thing on it and chappelle show is very smart about race um, not really smart about gender, but also it's not, um, but it's smart about one thing and it's like empathy, like everything that Dave Chappelle is doing, he's trying to empathize whether it comes off crass or not. Like he's coming from a place of, I want to understand, like he's very, I, Dave Chappelle recently got in trouble. Um, I don't remember if it was last year or what, where he was said that he was like, like he was like rooting for Donald Trump because he's the president or some something like that. And it's mm. like it's a dumb thing to say, but it's also coming from a place of I want everyone to get along. And that's kind of how Dave Chappelle feels like you can tell that when he's watching the sh when watching the show that he essentially just wants everyone to get along in a very like naive male way and i feel like that's also what's going on with i now pronounce you chuck and larry where it's like we want to be offensive but we also want everyone to be okay <laughs> i can see that i mean you know and i mean i'm a stand-up comic so i i feel like i i'm coming with the comedy perspective always and i tend not to be as harsh on it as other people because i'm trying to like understands you know when you're trying to make people laugh it's a very complicated thing and a lot of people are really callous about it um and a lot of people you know try to be funny and they're not funny but i do think that you can tell when someone is trying to be kind about something and i think that i now pronounce you chuck and larry is trying to be kind i think the worst part of the movie is when they don't kiss actually i think that Definitely. that really undermines a lot of what they're trying to say because if they're okay with gay people why can't they just kiss each other once for the sake of this whole thing that they're doing it's one kiss like is it gonna and ruin they clearly love each other and they clearly love each other so i don't them not kissing is what really fucks the movie in my opinion mm-hmm
stupid Dan Aykroyd barging in. Yeah, and it only really comes in because, like, Dan Aykroyd is just like, no, they broke the law. No, they're not gay. No, I don't want to see them kiss. But you know what? You can arrest me, too. And everybody does the whole I'm Spartacus thing. And then they all get arrested. And then what happens is, is that... I mean, that, that happened in Spartacus. They all ended up crucified. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's the result of the I'm Spartacus scene. Yeah. And so, like, it's... And so they end up having to do, like, a gay fireman's calendar, which is, like, a really <laughs> dumb joke to end the movie on. Not just because of, like the crassness of it but because the regular firefighter calendar is sexy enough for the gay guys like they don't need you to be in leather like i'm sure that the majority of the people who buy firefighter calendars are gay men already you don't have to change anything (laughs) like firemen are just hot like if you watched magic mike like it's just hot like (laughs) it's just hot um, it's like, there's nothing, you don't have to do anything about it. Yep. Um. <laughs> Again, this movie contains the word homopalooza in its script. Yes, it does. I just didn't want to let that go unremarked on again. <laughs> this is a, you know, and I don't want anyone to think that I'm defending this movie. It's a bad movie. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's on the podcast. But I do think that it's, you know, as a film critic and a comedian, I think it's important to, like, come, you know, Roger Ebert for all of his sexism. And, yeah, I think that Roger Ebert was kind of sexist. Um, he always was pretty good at coming to a movie as it is. And I think that people really struggle with that. Um, and I think part of it is CinemaSins' fault. But I think that you, when you're coming to something like I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, you know that it's made by straight people. You know that there's going to be no home. Like, you know what it's going to be. So I just think it's mm-hmm. important to evaluate it on what you want. Like, you, don't, you didn't, like, expect to, like, turn it on and, like, have it be, like, the boys in the bands or something. Like, it's not going to be love, valor, and compassion. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be... It's not even going to be the Broken Hearts Club. Like, it's not even going to be that. Like, it's you. <laughs> like, this is straight guys trying to understand, like, queerness. And, you know, it kind of reminds me, even though this is a better movie, it kind of reminds me of Chasing Amy in that way, where it's just like, it's just this guy, these guys trying to figure out, like, I mean, in this case, Chasing Amy isn't just about queerness. It's about, like, what do you do when woman has a lot of sex? Because I thought it was man who has lots of sex. How do I react to that? It's very much like, and that's kind of why I give Chasing Amy more credit than a lot of people, because it's just dudes trying to figure some shit out. And they're offensive along the way. Of course they are. Like, everyone is when you're trying to figure something out. You don't just, I didn't just come out, of like come out of the womb like reading bell hooks like we can't (laughs) like this is not (laughs) we can't like ask people to learn things and then like scoff at their process i mean i do think that this process could have been done without like a multi-million dollar film that was wide released into theaters i do think that that wasn't necessary you know maybe like a round table discussion um yeah (laughs) yeah um 
Anyway, I've been monologuing a lot because Carla's been just like watching me talk. And I've been letting you talk because, you know, you have a lot to say and I don't want to break your stride. (laughs) (laughs) So don't watch this, of course. No. No. No, don't, Um, don't waste your time. No. Um, you can watch, I, I named a bunch of queer movies up top, you know, honestly, and you could also just watch a, a better comedy made in this vein by mostly straight guys is The Birdcage. Yes. That's, that's a movie that we... The Birdcage is great. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's full of straight people. Mm-hmm. And they're funny and they're good and like... Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Fussy, 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 fussy. And also just like Robin Williams like plays a plays a gay man that like I that I would believe that I've like seen in the world, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you actually believe that he and Nathan Lane are re- deeply in love. Yeah. 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 So yeah, watch The Birdcage. Um we're of course going to cover more queer films. I know that we've covered a lot of straight movies on this podcast and I've seen people um tweet at us about like how white the movies are and that's just because a lot of them are that. And it's very, it's a tough tightrope to walk to be like, okay, we need to be representing all these different kind of rom-coms, but this is still bad romance. And so Mm -hmm. we want to be talking about bad movies. And I think that it's not a coincidence that a lot of them are about white straight people because white straight people make a lot of bad movies. I mean, I don't know what you want us to do. (laughs) Um, Absolutely fair. But, um... This was I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. You know, I wanted to cover this for a long time and I was glad to cover it with Kyle because I wanted to talk a little bit about masculinity and um, masculinity (laughs) is a prison and heterosexuality is a mental disorder. Oh, my God. God. (laughs) This movie, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, Exhibit A. (laughs) He's joking. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I, of course I am. But yeah, I mean, stri- I mean, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry is a result of straight culture. Just yeah. And just how I kind of see straight culture as just like this, like itchy turtleneck that won't come off. <laughs> and like eventually you just have to take the scissors to that turtleneck. Like you, you, you can't save it. You have to get rid of it. (laughs) Throw it away. Maybe add it like to a quilt or something. Like just don't wear the turtleneck anymore. Anyway. Don't wear the turtleneck. (laughs) I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Kyle Calgren. Don't wear the turtleneck. Bye. Bye. Oh yeah. Back it up, back it up.